Well, we're five episodes deep into Hawkeye. Five episodes. We've met the mystery villain mastermind. And of course, it's not Annihilus. <laughs> Damn it! No, Damn it! But he, he seems to dress remarkably similar. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me that it's Kingpin? I'm telling you it's Kingpin, oh, baby! Oh. Welcome to Infinity Rewatch! Oh, welcome to Infinity Rewatch. That's right. We finally did it, people. We have lived long enough to not only see shows like Daredevil's Netflix characters, you know, not only have their own series, but now have finally joined the MCU, starting with the big man himself. Mr. Wilson Fisk, your favorite villain. Enough that you brought the toy and you brought an outfit that just dressed very much the same. That's right. I, I realized uh, earlier uh, this week that my James Bond uh, white suit jacket also can double as a Wilson Fisk oh, suit you jacket. Must, your head must have exploded at oh, that point. <laughs> just it like... did. I was like two movies in three months where I can crack this sucker out and just wear it with pride. Yes. Yes, please. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now... Here we are. Here we are at, at, at Hawkeye episode five. And it's it's real and he's real and we're real. I'm Ryan. Who are you? <laughs> What's up? I'm actually Ryan. Yes, you he's are. He's Andrew. Mm. And today we're talking about episode five, Hawkeye. And this is Willie. Yep. Hello. I'm, right. uh, for those who aren't watching the video, I'm holding up a 1995 animated Spider-Man Kingpin action figure complete with, what would you call this, Ryan? What would you call this feature? His arms go up. And when I when I click the the large switch on his back, he slams them down angrily or joyously, depending on what kind of game you're playing. Right? What mm -hmm. would you call this feature? Karate slam action? I, I judo chopping action. I like that. Button. You know, they, they, that was a big thing back in the toy day. You know, and the toy is able to do that. But I did collect those as well. I had the armored suit Spider-Man. I had Alistair Smythe. I had the six arm Spider-Man, and I had uh, Carnage. Um, That's a hard one to get. Do you still have that carnage? I don't. Oh, I, do I was going to say, you put that behind glass, sir. You charge people admission <laughs> to see it. Wow, that's like 50 bucks now at Fan Expo at the least. Yeah. My, my parents gave away all my toys. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Whitehead, if you're listening, I hope you're happy. <laughs> I had original G1 Optimus Prime, too. And just, Are you kidding me? No. Wow. This just got intense. It's a sad moment. <laughs> it's a sad moment. Anyways, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, listening to the show from Rebel Scum Podcast Network on the podcast and on the video, we have to talk about this episode. This is a, this is a historic moment in yes. the MCU. I guess it's I should huge. I should get my notes out. I'm I'm just too I'm too flustered yeah. at the fact that Big Willie. So here. the stakes were high. Okay, rumors have been swirling that that Kingpin was going to be in Hawkeye. The rumors have been swirling for since the beginning of the show, since before the show was even ready to air, that people were talking about this. Then we get, we get the big tease in episode three, where that laugh was very distinctive. Mm -hmm. It was very distinctive. I watched that clip a thousand times. It's totally worth it. Uh, and then we got nothing. We got nothing in episode four. We got, again, another reference, but nothing. Uh, and then finally, episode five. And they, they did the Loki formula. They only gave you another small glimpse. And I guarantee you, this next episode is going to pretty much be all about them. I hope so, man. It has to be. It has to be. How can it not be? The only problem is it's like, 
even though this is not a problem for me because the more fisk, the merrier. Yeah. But do you run the risk of sidelining your two leads? Ooh, yeah. That's right? A, yeah. Uh, especially because your two leads are, you know, one of them is an Avenger and one of them is going to be an Avenger. So it's, it's, tr it's a tricky tightrope to walk. But I did hear a rumor today. Uh, the source is not great. So I'm only quoting this rumor with like salt in the quotation marks. Yeah. Here. But the rumor is that the final episode of Hawkeye is going to be the longest episode of any Marvel show. I so heard, far. I saw that rumor as well. Fifty-nine minutes is the clocked time for this episode. Is that it? Fifty-nine wow. minutes. I, I would. I, there's no Loki or WandaVision that's longer than fifty-nine minutes. Nope. Oh man. One full hour. Wow. Okay. Well, technically a minute shy, but I would round up. I would round up on that minute. Same. If you count the intro and credits, it's a full hour. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, one full sort one full hour of runtime for this episode. Uh, I do believe we're getting the Loki formula. But what I also love about the show is the episode kicks off with another kind of addition to the blip story, yes. which, which is something I do like. I actually think this is really cool because again, it just adds that, it just brings that circle in closer, right? Because now we're seeing Yelena's story within the whole blip thing. And it was awesome. Like, it was actually really unexpected because I'm like, okay, she's just cleaning house, you know, getting another widow out of the way, and then blip. And then five years later, and now she's, like, catching up with everything. So that was really, really cool. And the great thing is we've never seen the blip from that point of view before. Yes. From a person who's being dusted. She's, That's true, She's yeah. washing her hands, and then there's this ash, and I'm like, what the? Oh, she's getting Thanos right now. And then instantaneously, as far as she's concerned, mm -hmm. back in that bathroom, like what just happened to me, and then she walks out of that do that room, uh, that door, and everybody's like, "Whoa, girl, where you been?" Uh, that the idea of that, how it's so instant, is really cool. It's really cool to see it from that perspective and see just the the everydayness. She was just washing her hands. She wasn't doing yeah. anything crazy. Mm -hmm. She's literally just washing her hands, and then she's gone. And we're watching her notice that she's slowly trickling away cut to people reacting when she comes back. That was yes. a great way to yeah. show the blip from a side we've never seen. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, no, that was a really well done, uh, really well done sequence. And I got to say, though, the whole blip thing is really funny because I saw I saw a clip about the whole blip thing, a, a funny parody of it. It's like, what about people that were on a plane? So are they just going to fall out of the sky because that's where they that's where they were at the incident that happened? Ooh, yeah, that's uh... <laughs> that's really dark, right? <laughs> That is really dark. <laughs> the plane definitely fell. Yeah. If any pilots got blipped. Um, oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk better have been really specific <laughs> when he made that wish or however the hell that gauntlet Right? Works. Yeah, like everyone. Well, I guess he wanted everyone back safely. I don't know. What if anyway. he in an elevator? <laughs> <laughs> or like get crushed under? I don't know. Oh. But like, um, yeah, no, it, it really brings the question. But anyways, that's not the point of the show right now. But th what I do love is, so the Elena, the Elena Kate story is fun. It's so fun. Yes. I love the dialogue. I, but what I love is, again, like, you know, you talked about one thing that you love is watching characters eat. Yes. Right? Because you, you talk about how it brings that casual level. And not only do we see them eat mac and cheese, but what I love about it is I actually, we actually get to see them have dinner together. And, you know, you don't normally see that too often. I mean, the big joke in Avengers was the shawarma, mm -hmm. the shawarma thing, but you don't see that often. Is no. like two heroes literally sitting down and just talking, talking shop. Yeah, and you almost never see 
the food being mm. bitten and enjoyed. Yes. That's, that's even rarer. You know, people will be like, okay, here's a scene. Let's put some fake food on the table and pretend that they're mm. eating. But to actually see them enjoying the food. And let me, let me tell all you people listening, especially American people who listen to this, let me tell you guys a little story about Canada. In Canada, we have this very popular brand of mac and cheese called Kraft Dinner. Oh, so right? good. It's a staple of Canada. I don't know if it exists down there. I don't think it does. It could. It, it could. could. Maybe in some states. Yeah. Uh, some states have Tim Hortons too, so anything, anything goes. Here's the thing about Kraft Dinner though. When we were younger, it actually tasted okay. Now, as an adult, I can't eat it because they changed the recipe and it tastes like absolute <laughs> ass to me. It's, it has no flavor. I might as well be eating cardboard shaped like noodles for all the good it's doing. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm coming at you, Kraft. Seriously, I don't know what you did to that gross stuff that you have in that packet, but at least it used to be gross with a flavor. Now it's just gross with no flavor. So the only way I can enjoy mac and cheese myself is by covering it with hot sauce. And lo and behold, Yelena thinks the same way. Covers it in sriracha. Great minds think alike, Yelena. <laughs> you know, I guess that I guess then that that isn't their craft. Mm. Sorry, sorry, I had to I had to do it. I had to do it. Uh, but yeah, it's a great scene, and uh, you know, Marvel's been pretty good about the the spoilers, what we see in previews and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, although, fun fact is, Florence uh, did get booted off of Instagram for posting too early on the spoiler of that she was in the show. Um, but uh, to be honest, in my opinion, the t if you're a fan, you would have already known by that point that she was in it. Um, this was during episode four, by the way. Uh, but yeah, so I, again, I love that, that there's a lot of humor to this this scene, but it ends on such a dark tone where she's like, I'm going to kill him. Like, yes. she's just like, that's like, this has been fun. No, I love being, you know, girlfriends with you. I'm going to kill. Yes. And that's pure widow. It's the, that, I think that's what made that scene so powerful is, mm. you know, Yelena, you know, as cool as Kate Bishop is and as capable as Kate Bishop is, Yelena could kill her with like one finger. Right. And the whole time you're just on edge. You're like, is she going to hurt her? I don't think so, because we know from Black Widow movie she's a nice person, but mm -hmm. what's, what's she feeling right now? Is she on a warpath because of what happened to her sister? We don't know where her head's at. So it's a very tense moment, and it was my favorite moment so far of this whole series, uh, of just them kind of talking back and forth, and, and Yelena, or rather, uh, Kate is just on guard, and Yelena's like, ah, great, this is really good having this talk with you. And you're right. And then the second she goes upstairs to leave, mm -hmm. she reminds you she's a widow by saying, don't get in my way. I'm going to leave out this window now. You live high up, it's okay. I don't care for heights. It's fine for me. And she backs out of that window like the boss that she is. It's horrifying and hilarious all at once. It's almost her staple though too because she always faces the person and then falls backwards. Yeah, that's, I guess you don't turn your back on somebody when you're a widow. Yeah, that's right? true. Oh boy, she's so cool. Yeah, I no, it was a great so scene. I, I love her character already. Even uh, there's been reports of Tom Holland expressing interest in working with her. I agree. Like, I think she's going to be. I think honestly, she is going to be the next great Black Widow. Like, I wouldn't say even to replace Scar ScarJo, but to fill the shoes, if you will, like def definitely. I think she's definitely gonna be the next great Black Widow. It's, it's gonna be really exciting. And so next we go into the second part of this story where we go into Echo versus Ronin, mm. um, which was a, a solid fight scene. Oh my God, so good. 
Uh, and I loved how we get to see kind of the darker side of Ronin um, in terms of like his stealth takedowns and like you never see him yeah. coming kind of thing. And I, again, I love that scene. I love this establishing shot here. I have to say, and I've been saying it quite a bit, but I'm going to repeat myself here. Echo is becoming quite a character as well. She's a really cool character. Echo is really cool. She's I've never seen any villain dynamic like the dynamic between mm. Echo and what's her boy's name there? Aja, what's his oh, name? Kazi. Kazi. Mm. Uh, those two, like they're fascinating. Yeah. I, I can't stop thinking of like what's going on with them and what they're going to do and how they're going to react. And every time they're on screen, they react in a way that surprises me. Mm -hmm. Up to and including when Kaz has the sniper and Ronan comes up behind him and Kaz is like, hey man, let's just talk it out, mm. right? That's, that's not the typical henchman response. And it's so great. I love seeing what those two do when they play off each other. And now there's this little uh, ribbon of mistrust that's been wedged between them. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he was apparently her daddy's number one guy or number two guy. And uh, now it's calling to question, was he in that Ronin suit? back in the day i didn't even think about that i wasn't even i was nowhere on that radar Ooh, welcome to my radar my friend that's interesting. we have hot sauce here <laughs> <laughs> but okay no because i wasn't thinking that what i was thinking though was he knew that he was setting up the father to be killed like he knew that kaz knew yeah kazi okay. knew he knew he knew that that was going to go down mm -hmm. and that's why he wasn't there but I don't, I don't, I don't believe he was Ronin because the acrobatics required for him to be Ronin would be again. I don't know if that's in in him. We haven't seen him fight too much, but when he does, he's usually clumsy, and he uh, he doesn't do any kind of fancy maneuvers. He's very kind of straightforward fighter. Okay, so but I, he could be fooling everybody. Could, he could be. be. That's that's a pretty elaborate scheme. And I think there's also a very real possibility that that could have been uh, Jack Duquesne. Yes. I, I definitely think that that's a very much a possibility because it, it also plays reference to the comics. Yeah. But my theory, my theory right now that I'm running with, uh, and view, viewers and listeners, you guys can comment and let us know if, if we're wrong here. Um, my theory is, is that Ronan was already wiping out gang members left, right, and center. So for Kingpin, the smart move here is to just point him in the right direction mm -hmm. and just let him do all the dirty work, right? So, But you need someone to do it. So who do you send? You send Kazi. Because he's, yeah. he's also very intimidated by Kingpin. I mean, who wouldn't be? But but at the same time, if you're someone who's the informant to this guy, you know, I, I feel like that's the case. I feel like that it was Barton that did it. And I feel like he was very much there now. But I feel like Kingpin was like, you know what? I need to... You know, trim the. I need to trim the the gang a little bit because I'm moving up. I have plans, and in order to do that, I need to get rid of certain people because maybe the father stood in his way. Like you've gone too far. You know, this is not what we do. And mm -hmm. Kingpin's like, well, you know, it's either my way or the highway, and and then he chose the highway. So let's let's stay on that path then for a moment because I think that is uh, the most interesting of the three. Where it is Barton. Yeah. Um, so if that's what they go with, and I hope they do, I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm like I'm literally feeling ninety percent confident. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I think the other ones are fine, but this is the most interesting way to go. Yeah, like hands down. So, how does Clint redeem himself? Mm. Because it 
the events of Endgame, him coming back and being Hawkeye and casting off the Ronin thing and helping everybody fight Thanos, that's... I don't know if I would say that's his redemption for being Ronin because it's, it's still very much a vendetta at that point. Like, you killed my family, so I'm going to stop you and I'm going to stop the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this feels like it's more cutting close to home. It's more of like, hey, remember all that shit you did as Ronan? That still matters. So what are you going to do about it? Because you killed these guys who, I don't know how innocent Echo's dad was, but he seemed like a nice dude. So how is Hawkeye going to atone knowing all of the stuff that he did Mm -hmm. has caught up with him now? Yeah. What do you think? If we're talking about exactly what I think, this is how I look at it. Hawkeye has three kind of story arcs that are running for him right now. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be noticed. And now that he is being noticed, he's starting to become friends with everybody, but he's still willing to sacrifice himself pretty quickly. And we saw him in Endgame. He was trying to off himself before Widow could. And then that caused that story. And even in this one, he was trying to get the blame, or sorry, he said... Um, Widow killed Ronan, and and at the same time though he's willing to accept consequences. Yeah. And uh, so so and and he's trying to be with his family. So all these things tell me he's trying to get out of the picture completely. So I don't think he's I don't I don't think he's looking for redemption as much as he's trying to trying to just get out of the picture. So this is one of those things where where I feel with Echo's story is she wants Ronan out of the picture. She wants to kill him. Clint Barton, as far as she knows, is the closest thing to Ronan. Yes. And Well, no, now she does know it's Ronan, mm-hmm. or he is Ronan. So it looks to me like all the pieces are stacking up to the point where he's going to get an out, and she's like, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you, but he's already going to be gone. Like He's going to be like, don't worry about it he's going to be off the grid completely. Yeah. There, it's, the arrows are pointing at that uh, yeah. fake death, Dark Knight yeah. Rises kind of thing. It, and, and it does feel like, the, I love how you say the Dark Knight Rises, because it does, it does feel like Hawkeye is going to get a very heroic moment. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like a fake death thing. Like it's, it's going to be his out. And he's going to look good doing it. And he's going to be able to fake his death and make it seem like, you know, Echo got him. And then Echo's going to learn, and this is where I was getting with Echo, is Echo's going to learn that he was merely the gun. It was who was pointing the gun. And then she realized that it's Kingpin. And thus, we get the Echo series. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm done. That's it. Now, here, here's, a, here's a little <laughs> addendum. Because okay. this might... I don't know if this could work physically, but we'll see what happens. They keep talking about these suits, Ryan. They mm. keep bringing up, we got your suit. Grills' friend brought your suits, right? Yeah, the cost of the LARPers, yeah. The, the LARPers have all these suit things planned, uh, and they, they keep mentioning it. It's, it. it's coming up, and it's needling me, and I'm like, okay, what's with these suits? This doesn't seem like a little joke anymore. Um, what if we get a Dread Pirate Roberts kind of scenario? Um, mm. Hawk, Clint Barton vanishes, but the Hawkeye suit goes on Kate. As far as everybody in the world knows, Hawkeye is still out there avenging. And Clint gets to go back to his gorgeous wife and his okay children. I buy it. I buy it. Yeah? Yeah, I I think that's a solid one. 
They're, the one of the recurring themes I'm hearing is it's it's uh, this movie has a story that's almost similar to It's a Wonderful Life, Ooh. where the 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 guy he's partially deaf by the way because yes. he tries to save the kid in the, yes. the ice water, um, and he gets a vision by an apparition I think it was I don't know the story as well but this is the well that's the, one of the greatest movies ever made I, I, well okay but I I know of the story arcs yeah. and my understanding is is he gets apparition sees what his life is like or by based on his choices and he has to correct them he sees uh he is shown a world where he was never born oh yes yes okay mm -hmm. so there there's kind of they're saying that that's kind of the arc the same arc of where hawkeye's going which i'm all for you know i'm all for you know if, if there's a symmetry in a classic story then you can kind of use similar events well sure and that's a great one to choose because yeah you're right it's a Christmassy one and also he he seems Clint seems kind of to have blinders on when it comes to the good he has done yeah right he dwells a lot on the bad because he's messed up but Kate is not Kate unless Hawkeye and the Avengers do their thing in New York in 2012 and she sees that and she's like ooh mm -hmm. nice right so Kate being who she is and being this cool hero she is going to do good in the world and that comes from her wanting to emulate him yeah and i think once he's made aware of that in a very george bailey it's a wonderful life kind of way that would make for a beautiful story arc for him to finally be shown hey look what you're doing like you are you have done good smile you have you have done a good job mm -hmm. being a hero for and, a guy that's not supposed to be seen yeah for the guy who's just up in his his uh, his nest shooting down at gods and, and dealing with crime lords now. He has made a difference. And I don't think he realizes that. I think um, his wife tries to remind him. She seems to be constantly reminding him, like, you're, you're great at this. You have done so much. Like, every time we see them together, she's, always, she's a very encouraging, supportive person. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of, his eyes are always cast down. His eyes are always cast, uh, he's a pessimist. Mm -hmm. And I think he needs to get out of that funk and get some optimism into him. And I think that's the best arc we can give him. And whether or not that ends with him faking his death, it should end with him appreciating Hawkeye. Because I feel like right now Clint like Barton hates Hawkeye. Yes, I like that. I really do. And he, he, needs that he needs that story of like he needs to appreciate what he's done. Yes. And he, he can't even watch... The god-awful but hilarious Rogers musical that's trying to appreciate what he's done. Yeah. And I don't think it's because the musical is cheesy and it's getting everything wrong. I think it's because he refuses to see the good he's done. Yeah. He's too tied up in the bad. Right. So, no, I agree. And I think that's definitely where his story is going. I, I definitely see the, the, the parallels. And I think it's perfect. Like, and, and it's a great way to, as, as, some, as someone who enjoys this part... Passing the torch. I love a proper passing the torch, and it would, it would make sense, especially that diner scene with Kate and Hawk and uh, Clint. Yeah. Oh boy, he's passing the bow. He's, pa um, he's probably going to teach her what every bow does. Yep. And I don't think they're marked, so he just somehow knows that one is the boxing glove arrow. That one is the exploding arrow. This one, if I shoot it at a person, I learn everything about them. It scans them. <laughs> 
with, with science. That's what the plunger arrow is for. <laughs> uh, so now let's let's get into the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think unless there's another note you want to capture on there. Um, the only other note I just looked at that just kind of backs up what we were just talking about mm-hmm. is another thing that should give him some pride, but it doesn't. Is this week he walks up to that nice big plaque that says "On this spot, I the love Avengers." That. Yeah, oh. what a great idea. Uh, do you remember in the um, the super when Superman died in Metropolis, they put a plaque like that on the spot where he got killed, and everybody like walks to it. It's like this is great. This is exactly what people would really do if the Avengers actually showed up and yeah. saved Manhattan. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. You know, deface it and like put like you know false gods. Yeah. They would celebrate heroes. Nobody there would would do that to, to them. Well, DC's this is a different world. <laughs> DC's a different world. It's a dark world where dark shit happens yeah. and Warner Brothers makes poor choices. It's that kind of world. Sassy. Um, so that's just another example of uh, Clint being faced with something that shows the mm-hmm. good he has done and he's still miserable. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see their outfits too. I'm very excited. Uh-huh. I mean, I think they've kind of teased it already in like the, the pictures and the images, but... Uh, but still, I can't wait to see him in action in full Hawkeye mode. I, I honestly, like, these Disney Plus stories have been really redeeming characters who don't get enough time. Yes. Um, you know, Wanda's a perfect example. Wanda was getting some good traction in the movies, but it just, it still wasn't enough. Like, it was like, like you have something here. You have a foundation of a character. And then you get WandaVision, and that character not only gets redeemed, but, like, looks amazing and has, like, a more purpose in the MCU and the same goes for Hawkeye like you know Loki to be fair Loki is one of the best like if not the best I'm still convinced it's probably the best Disney Plus show yet but I would say Loki got a lot of story in in the MCU already but then the show just like catalyzes him to the the top mm-hmm. and he didn't even need it he didn't even need it but I would say definitely Wanda needed it and Hawkeye needed it. And both of them are now like cemented as like solid characters. Yes. And I would even say to a lesser extent, because the movies treated him well, but it was nice to see more vision. Yes. Too. Yeah. It was definitely nice to see more vision. But yeah, we're, we're getting these great stories now. And these characters are now more cemented in the MCU with, with like these, these side stories and everything. Um, even Falcon Winter Soldier, I would, you know, though people would argue that it's not like one of the greatest ones, I think it is, but I, I also believe that like it really added extra layers to the characters. Like I loved Winter Soldier's story in that. It was really good. Um, so now we need to get to the main topic at hand here, which is the obvious one, clearly. Um, well, (laughs) I'm going to bring something up that you're not expecting, but I just had to... I had to bring this up because I've never. Is it about seen the sword, swordsman going to jail? Because totally not. We don't need to talk about that. No, no the swordsman <laughs> does go to jail. This is completely. This is literally just me noticing the set decoration, and there's something I've never seen before, and I, I want to know if this is normal, or if I I'm right to call attention to it. I don't know. Mm. Kate Bishop's bedroom. Mm. Her two bedside lamps. There's a lamp on either side of her bed. They don't match, Ryan. Is that a normal thing to have two very different? Like, not only are they different in like aesthetic, but mm-hmm. one is tall, like significantly taller. It's like twice the height of the the other one, and uh, that uh, that kept distracting me. I'm like, why don't her lamps match? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a teenage thing. I don't know. What's that? 
But that's the thing. Kate Bishop's a millionaire. She lives in a penthouse. Maybe it's a style thing. I'm thinking I'm thinking it's rebellious teenager thing or rebellious young lady thing. Or it's a clue because where there's chaos, there's Mephisto. <laughs> oh man, everyone's got I you know <laughs> Reel it in, she says. Oh, love Isabella. Love her. Love you. Love you too. Um, so no, but she's right. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think you need to call attention to it because I think it's, it could just be a style thing, you know, or, or yeah, I don't think or, it's anything. Or like Echo, she's a person of two worlds. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was a funny little, little background thing there that uh, I couldn't help but notice. <laughs> as now, you, um, as you're just retreating away. <laughs> yeah, this is a little thing, uh, you know, Mephisto confirmed. Or <laughs> um, so. Kingpin confirmed. Kingpin confirmed. You know, I was really worried that it was gonna end on the text message of like found out who I was working for and they like cut uh, it. But they I don't think they could have done it without showing something. They had to show at this point we've we've had too much teasing, and if you didn't do it, I think that would have upset fans. Yes. So the shot was perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you called me like right after the show was done and just like, we had to gush because you know what, you know, D'Onofrio, uh, Deborah Ann Wool, Charlie Cox, like the, that entire cast, flawless, just flawless. Wesley, friggin' Owlsley, uh, you know, all those characters, Punisher, I, I want, I want more. I want more and I'm so glad so happy now the fun part begins of like what is he doing in the MCU what is he going to do what's his story what's his story did he get blipped is he I don't think he did I 100% don't think he did I, I think it makes sense that he didn't because he's been a busy man apparently did yeah. he buy Avengers Tower uh, what's his stance on the other people in New York? Does he know Hawkeye exists? Hawkeye knows he exists. Mm -hmm. um, he, Kingpin's usually the kind of guy who has his ear to the ground. He's got people out there telling him what's what. So does he know about Hawkeye? Does he know about Spider-Man? Does he know about the Hulk? What does he think of these people? Uh, how does he plan? Like, it's the, the, the questions for days now. Questions for days. You know, but like, yeah, but that's the thing, right? So... We talked about this. I think you and I talked about this a little bit. I could be wrong. I could, I've been having many, many conversations about this. But I think at this point where Disney Plus is going, I think that Kingpin is going to be like the Loki of Disney Plus. The Loki of Disney Plus. Meaning that he's going to be a reoccurring villain. I and see. Influencing, influencing things as they go. Because we have, we have She-Hulk. We have... Miss Marvel, we have Moon Knight. All three characters are street level. And we have Echo. And we have Echo. So that's four stories that could all easily include Kingpin, especially She-Hulk and especially Echo. Those two for sure. Moon Knight's a bit of a sketchier story. However, the reason why I bring him into it is that Moon Knight does play a detective. So he's, he is around the crime world. Fun fact, though, too, is I have heard news that uh, from good sources that this is going to be a pretty violent show, Moon Knight. So my guess is criminal organizations, thus 
Kingpin. It's just going to be like the Saw movies, but with costumes. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who does he fight? Who does Moon Knight fight? He uh, he fights an off version of him called Midnight. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> you know those Marvel villains, right? Yeah. They're always like an offshoot of the character. He's in black. Yeah. 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 yeah that's cool. Much, yeah. Uh, um, is that his only villain? No. He has he has quite a few. Um, he's quite a few kind of different iterations of him, and then he. You know, he fights different characters. Like, he has fought Kingpin before. Right. He's also been a part of the Secret Warriors, or sorry, the Secret Avengers. Um, and that included Yelena. Uh, that includes Captain America, Beast. It's, I love that roster, actually. this The Secret Avengers roster is really cool. It's uh, Scott Lang's Ant-Man, uh, Beast, Captain America, Moon Knight, Yelena, and uh, Valkyrie. That's a great lineup. And it's quite a diverse crowd. Yeah. So technically, we have three of the three or almost four of the Secret Avengers. And who did the Secret Avengers team up to fight? They fought an underground military force. Um, they, they actually fought Nick Fury at one point. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. You don't hassle him. <laughs> Otherwise, but you get in trouble. There's a there's a guy they fight who's um, and they also fight Mandarin. Okay, yeah. Um, Shang, not the Mandarin, but another Mandarin, the uh, the Shang Chi's dad. Oh, all right. So that could be a story. Interesting. That, but my point is, is that Moon Knight has fought street level. He's yeah. been he's been rolling around with the Marvel Knights, who often fight Kingpin. Uh, because that includes Daredevil, Blade, and uh, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. So right. Well, that was the thing that I think appealed to me the most of the old Netflix shows mm-hmm. was literally, uh, yeah, you got four different stories and four different heroes and whatnot, but they're just a neighborhood away from each other. Yeah. Uh, even you know, MCU is connected and it's great. Uh, you don't ever really get a sense in the MCU of where people live. Right. Really. I mean, we know Iron Man's house was in Malibu until uh, fake Mandarin blew it up. So other than that, they just kind of like, where did, where did they hang out? Tony hung out at Stark Tower for like one movie and then that's like, so the idea that, that sh- those shows had four people uh, living in four separate districts of New York mm-hmm. um, and they made a point of like showing that like, yes, this is where they are in relation to each other. Hell, Luke Cage never let you forget that they were in Harlem, God. <laughs> so the, um, the identity of New York was all over those shows. And the idea that they could walk down the street and go, you know, Luke Cage could be like, hey, I wanna go grab a slice of pizza. And he could walk into a pizza restaurant and Foggy Nelson could be there for all we know. Like mm-hmm. the idea that they were so close together in one city on one island. So I feel like besides Defenders, which was okay, they never played with that. Now they can play with that. Oh yeah. But here's the thing though. I don't like how they're like, I don't like these buildups anymore. Like they take too much time. Like the fact, and I get it, I get it. This is very much a Hawkeye and Kate story. But if, like, why wait till, like, the essentially the last episode to introduce such a major character? Well, that's why it, it gives me hope that, you know, they put him in the last episode. 
uh, it gives me hope that there's so much more to do with him. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, 100%. Well, that's that's obvious though, right? But like, but this is good groundwork. Like you can really build off of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the cool thing is they did focus on the tracksuit mafia, which is like, a, you know, he runs that gang. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of groundwork there, but I don't know, a little... I think I think by episode four we should have had that that camera scene in some way, shape, or like somehow get to that scene a little bit quicker. So episode five we have the negotiation, and then episode six it's like full on superhero battle. I think I would have liked that, and I, like I will say that as excited as I was, and I was like like you said, I called you at like at instantly. eight at thirty in the morning in my living room screaming. Yeah. Right. Um, I I'm I'll never not be excited by this reveal. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, if given the option myself, I also would have made his big reveal different. I would not have gone with literally one second of a grainy picture on a phone. Yeah. And I think he's even smiling in the picture and he looks kind of happy. Like it, it looks like a behind the scenes photo. Yeah. Like it doesn't inspire fear. Um, and, and this I, guy like this guy like brings like a lot of gravity to him like you know yeah. what I mean like in, in Netflix any scene he was in he just had to move and everyone just like stopped talking like you know what I mean like the, the scene at the restaurant even like that was you know like he was all calm and nonchalant like you know we'll talk to you after yeah. like, we'll, we'll deal with it and then you get into the car and he's just like super just comes in and just pulls the guy out and then slams the door in his head I think what I would have done um, is if I was directing this last sequence, I would have had uh, what's what's Kate's mom's name? I was Eleanor. Re- Eleanor, thank you. I would have had Eleanor walk into that hotel or wherever she was going to meet mm-hmm. him, and I would cut back and forth between her walking and the conversation around Grills's kitchen table. Oh yes. And uh, so Kate's getting the text, and then we would cut back to Eleanor walking some more, whatever, and then uh, Eleanor would enter like an office, and he would just be like sitting there. And he would ask her to or to have sit the down. shot where he just sits down. Like, yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah. that, that that beautiful establishing shot where he sits down. Exactly. And then just before he says something, then you cut to like. Yeah, like have I don't know, have have like Hawkeye looking out the window, and it's really snowing, and snow's coming down, and you see like the white snowbank, and then you cut to more white, and you think it's more snow, and then he sits down, and you realize you're looking at the back of his suit, and then we get mm-hmm. Kate saying like, "Oh my God, who's this guy?" And instead of seeing the picture that Haw- that she shows Hawkeye, we, the audience, actually see him in the room. Yeah. And he says something to Eleanor or whatever. He just kind of like smiles at her. I don't, I don't know what this kingpin's going to be like, so I don't know if he's a smiley guy, whatever. But just have that and then the cut to black. Um, I think I would have preferred that a bit better. Yeah. But I'm not looking a gift kingpin in the mouth. Uh, I'm still so pleased with this, and I'm so pleased with the, the choice of Needle Drop of the Grinch song, right? Like, the Grinch song is, it, it suits him so well. Yes, yes it does. That now I can't hear that song without thinking of Kingpin, and maybe even vice versa. And I thought, I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was interesting. The guy in the, who sings the Grinch song, First of all, he sounds like he could have voiced the Kingpin back in the 60s. Oh, for sure. He has a very deep, evil-sounding voice. Do you know what that guy's name is? No. His name, his last name, is almost a Spider-Man reference. No way. His name is, he, he did the voice of Tony the Tiger. His name's Thurl Ravenscroft. <laughs> Isn't oh, that perfect? Oh, man, it's too close. 
because Ravens Ravenscroft it, it, was the the institute the institute where Eddie Brock and uh, Cassidy was. But you're the mean one, <laughs> Mr. Grinch. Oh boy, it was it, it was epic, and like I love the end shot too, where you kind of have the the title card of Hawkeye, but you have the shadow of Kingpin yes. over it, which is perfect. And again, now I'm into it. Like I, I don't get me wrong, like I still love the fact that they slowly introduced him like a twisting knife. You know what I mean? Oh. But but I want him. I just want him now because like I feel like we're like we the fans have had enough of like the origin stories and the. The buildups, like we've waited too long, and they're still winning us over. Because I mean, like you just dropped, you know, D'Onofrio, and we all wanted him back. Like everybody, anyone who's everyone wanted him back that loved Marvel. Um, and now the question is, is like, and and Kevin Feige said it. He's like, if we're if we're bringing back Daredevil, it's going to be Charlie Cox. And we know Kevin Feige's playing coy here, but but at the same time, we got D'Onofrio. Yeah. So that means, that has to mean we're getting Daredevil. So we just don't know when and where. Yeah, I it's, think so. It's more likely that, it, it's more likely than, you know, everyone's saying he's going to be in Spider-Man, you know, and it's been a whole dance around that. I would say it's more likely he's going to be in She-Hulk because it's just too, it's too good. It's too good. And he could be that same character build up in She-Hulk where it's like, you know, she has these court cases and eventually that last court case is, her her versus Matt Murdock. N not putting Matt Murdock in the She-Hulk show would be like not putting Spider-Man in the Venom movie. Oh, wait. Oh. oh. <laughs> Actually, I kid. That movie's fine. That movie's all right. That movie's all right. Um, I still haven't seen it. The, um, As a Marvel fan, I haven't seen Venom too. Oh, God. The thing, the thing with me is I was just so excited for Kingpin. Like, I was riding the Kingpin train. I dug into that train, right? Yeah. That... I, even though I have no problem with him, I could not care less whether or not we see Daredevil. <laughs> like, everybody's like, oh my God, Daredevil. Like, I could not care less. We had three seasons of him. He was great. He's fine. He's dandy. Had a great show. But for me, it was all about the big guy. Yeah. Um, but you're right. There's, there's no way they're going to let the popularity of Charlie Cox's Daredevil just fall by the wayside. He's going to show up. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. And I think... Again, this is a character who I could not care less if I see him again. But based on how popular he was, I guarantee you it's only a matter of time before John Bernthal's Punisher shows up. Oh, yeah. Because people loved that guy. So I think they loved him, definitely. I mean, I hope even Deborah Ann Wool gets her gets yeah, campaign awesome. back, you know? Yeah. Like, I would love to see that story arc come back as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if we'll see Punisher. And I, I, it's not that I don't want John Bernthal back because I thought he was a great... Like that courtroom scene, oh, I live for that scene. <laughs> um, but I don't know if he's relevant enough to be in this MCU right now. Right. It just doesn't. It doesn't seem like the right time to bring him in. I mean, you've got a lot of kind of biker badass characters already because you have Blade coming already. Yeah. And, and Echo, Echo kind of plays as a Punisherish character. Yeah. And they come with like the added bonus of having a cool thing to them. Like Echo's yeah. deaf and she does all this cool stuff. Blade has vampires. Yeah. Punisher's just like, I have an AK-47. And, and, and Wayne Knight drives a van around yeah. with me. 
But like, and that's the other thing too. You have Moon Knight, who's a kind of vigilante style based character. You also could potentially get Ghost Rider, who's a, yes, a biker. Please. You know. Yeah. Um, so it, to me, it just doesn't seem like he's relevant or you unique enough to bring him in. And potentially, we could get Wolverine. And then there's like, in my mind, there's no reason you need Wolverine at that point. You mean Punisher? Or sorry, Punisher. Yeah. yeah. With Wolver- if Wolverine comes in at any point, there's no need for Punisher. You're right. Would it make for great storytelling if both of them were in it? Yes. There was a great comic book where they face off in the jungle. Would love to see that. But I don't. I just don't see how you would. I don't see how you could bring in the Punisher and get the same reaction as if, aside from like seeing Blade and like seeing Wolverine, seeing you know, yeah. if you stack him up against other people you're it's just gonna be like oh yeah punisher we're great to have you yeah he's always gonna be the least interesting person in the room that that's mm-hmm. why i don't I, I have no interest in seeing him again but i know how popular he was so i yeah. understand i want him don't get me wrong i don't because like john if you are listening to the show i want you back oh he is i want you he is i totally i mean james gunn right <laughs> but like but at the same time I'm sorry, like if you stack him up in terms of like relevance against like even War Machine for crying out loud. Like yeah. we have military characters, we have characters like that. We, the Punisher had a great run in the Daredevil show, but I just don't see the relevance in bringing him in right now. It just doesn't seem, the climate's not there for it. No. And if it were, then full reason why you should be back in and 100% go for it. Daredevil and Kingpin, it makes sense. The time is now. It's relevant. And, you know, the theme of the climate of Marvel right now is like the whole Thanos is right thing, right? And Kingpin is a character who walks that fine line of like in 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 the front front stage. In front stage, he's very much like the people pleaser. He's going to make the world a better place and all these wonderful things. Behind the scenes, though, you know he's like he's a bad person. Yes. But it's trying to get the the characters in the world to see that. But for us, it's just the fun of like just watching him be bad and knowing he's bad. But it's like getting the characters to be like, wake up, man, he's right there. Like, and that's what you want. That's that. That's the moment you're looking for. Well, it took uh, it took Spidey like what three seasons to learn he existed. Mm-hmm. Aunt May loved Wilson Fisk. She was like, what a nice man. Yeah. Right. So. The, the idea of this public persona supervillain is unique to him, I think, mm. in Marvel. Uh, Norman Osborn, everybody hates him. He's just a weird guy who's cranky. So it's not like, you know, the public loved Norman. He's like an anti-Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the Wilson Fisk of it all and the Kingpin of it all, they can really play with that some more. Well, not only that, and I was, you know, I had an epiphany while you were talking about that. Uh, you know, I have that effect on people. My voice you, you tends do. to yeah. draw those out. It draws inspiration. Um, but talking about the climate, you know, Spider-Man in, in Far From Home, uh, Mysterio, perfect example. Mm-hmm. He not only had the characters fooled in the movie, he almost had outside of the movie world, he had the fans questioning their position of the character yeah my brother going into you know far from home he was like yo i I think they actually are bringing in like spider-man from an alternate world and like he was he was pretty happy about his theory like he and and you know you look back now and like oh come on like it's obvious (laughs) right but he was convinced like the way the trailer's pitching it that he might be you know like another peter parker and he had to come in the mysterio suit and try to you know show him in a different angle kind of thing but Kingpin, I think, is perfect because, you know, you look at the Mysterio scene where, like, he reveals himself and he's, like, actually a bad person and trust has been betrayed. 
imagine that kind of character in a world like Disney Plus, uh, especially with characters like Hawkeye and like Eleanor. Even Eleanor is like was fooled that Jack was a bad guy. Yeah. So now she now why is she going to Wilson? That's right because I, I still don't trust Eleanor. I mean, uh, I mean, that girl makes bad choices. Let's, let's yeah, well, she does, and I'm still subscribing to the fact that she's responsible for the death of that old man. Yeah, and that Jack was not. Jack's not a great guy, but I don't think he had anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a question for you, Ryan, as as we wrap this up here. We are, let's see, about two hours away yep. from going to see Spider-Man: No Way Home. Buddy, we did it! We did it! We're alive! Oh, we were born we in the right time. We survived to get to this moment. Really, yep. when our when our parents conceived us, they had this day in mind. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they had to be roughly, you know, old enough to be able to buy their own tickets and go. Yes. So like, okay, we better start now because <laughs> we know 2021. Ryan will probably be married. Andrew, Andrew will probably be in prison, maybe. <laughs> but uh, so, let's play. Never tell me the odds. Ooh. Give me a percentage, Ryan. What percentage likelihood will we see Wilson Fisk, Big Willie, in Spider-Man: No Way Home? I'm gonna say there's a solid fifty percent chance. Wow, man! Wow. Why 50? That's a full Brock, by the way. That's what we call it here. A full Brock. Brock. The reason why I think there's a major possibility is because of the timing. Mm. Isn't it weird that the same week Spider-Man is coming out that Kingpin is introduced in Hawkeye? Yes, it is. It really is. And that is like my primary Exhibit A evidence. Especially given the fact that at this point in time, weren't we supposed to be getting Miss Marvel, as was originally intended? Yes. Hawkeye was supposed to be November, Miss Marvel December. Yep. Wasn't that the plan? 100%. Okay. And and on top of that, you know, this whole thing about blips and all this, you know, New York, mm-hmm. and you know, who bought the tower. It's just, it's it's kind of obvious, yes. And I'm, I'm also 100% for like, you know, oh, Guess what? You know, uh, this young kid, Reed Richards, bought this building, and now it's the Baxter building. Like, I'm all for that happening as well. But, but, think about it. Spider-Man Homecoming was about Vulture stealing superhero tech from Avengers Tower. Yes. The second one was about the Avengers Tower under construction, and on top of that, like, you know, villains, you know, misleading people. Right. And then, of course, you have uh, the introduction of Jay Jonah, who's like playing playing odds here of like, oh yeah, Spider Man, he did it, he's bad. So why not throw in Kingpin just to just, and especially this is like Spider Man's big third film, and we all know like you know Spider Man equals Kingpin, but also we know that Daredevil equals Kingpin. But to be fair, this is a big film for Spider Man, so even if Daredevil's in it, I wouldn't be surprised if Kingpin is not far behind. And plus, Spider-Man had him first, Daredevil, so mm-hmm. relax, okay? Yeah. Find your own villains. You got your Bullseye, you got your Mr. Fear, you're fine. <laughs> Sit down, Matt. Yeah. Um, all right. What about you, though? You haven't said how. Yeah. I like where your head's at. I'm, you like my arguments. I like your argument, yeah. yeah. I'm going to steal 
myself and keep my expectations at bay. Oh, because you, there's why are you put me out there? And then you're so like, much, oh, I'm not gonna do it. I don't, there, there's so much in this movie already um, that I feel like any kingpin appearance would be too small to be worth having him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna say 10% chance we see him. Um, I feel you fool. <laughs> a fear I have. Mm-hmm. A fear I have is that they might use him as a throwaway villain the same way they use the Rhino in the Amazing Spider-Man too. Mm. And I don't want them to do that to Big Willie. So That's fair. Totally fair. Granted, these are not the same writers. Uh, this is a much better creative team than Amazing Spider-Man 2. But, you know, if, uh, if we get a little montage of him fighting crime between the beginning of the movie and when he goes to see Doctor Strange... Yeah. And Kingpin ends up in that montage. I feel like people would go nuts, and I would be happy to see him for sure. I'm, I, I would be overjoyed to see him in there. But it's like if you're going to put Kingpin in a Spider-Man movie, save it for something special. Third movie. I don't see why I wouldn't do it now. You're right. I mean, if we're getting these four, five, and six, which I hope, you know, don't don't say four, five, and six to me, movie studio, unless you mean it, because I've been hurt too many times before. Yeah. Well, we've had enough of this dancing around of like, is Spider-Man getting another film? Yeah. I'm glad we're getting a completed trilogy because, you know, a few years back, this wasn't even in the realm of possibility. So, yeah, uh, that was a scary, pretty much six to eight months. But, whoo, man, we got through it. We're here. Last movie. Big hurrah. Big hurrah. And based on your question, I think there's a pretty solid chance because he's such a big character to go with Spider-Man. He is. And, uh, whoops. And, I mean... There's five villains that we know of in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man doesn't fight teams of five villains, does he? <laughs> what, what number does he fight when he six, fights a team? as in the Sinister Six. And Sony's been wanting to do a six-villain movie. And who put together the Insidious Six in the 1995 Spider-Man animated series by Fox? Your boy, Kingpin. My Insidious Six. So... I, I actually think that the sixth member is going to be Scorpion because he hasn't had any story in Poor this. Poor Scorpion. He got, side, he got sidetracked so hard. Um, I, I, I like where I'm at with 10. I'll stay at a 10. But if he shows up, you know, you're looking at me and I will be weeping. Yeah. I will be weeping uncontrollably. Oh, man. This is gonna be, this, this theater is going to go nuts. <laughs> You know, you go to the movies for these big reactions. This is the whole reason why you go. Yeah. Is, is not only are you seeing it with, like, your fellow friends who are, like, big fans, but you're going with other big fans. And these moments when they come to life, oh, my God. When Cat picked up the hammer, oh, my God. I heard uh, a rumor that Tom Holland's going to be at our theater. He's going to be like, what's up, guys? It's me. I play Spider-Man. No. I just want to know. See, yeah. if you if you pitched that, that Song Chi was going to be at the theater, I would have believed that because yes. he lives here. He lives in Toronto. So I would have believed that. Did you know Shang-Chi loves Qui-Gon Jinn? That's his favorite Jedi. Is it really? I didn't even know he was a Star Wars fan. And then he did some kind of interview. um, And I don't know why they brought it up. But he was like, oh, the best Jedi is Qui-Gon. And he went on like this whole thing. And I'm like, Simulio just got even cooler. Yeah. It was, we thought it'd be impossible, but he did it. Yeah. He did it. Oh, Oh, boy. Man. Well, that was Kingpin. I mean, that was, oh, God. You know where my my head's at. Might as well have been titled Kingpin. It might as well have. That was Hawkeye episode five. Should have been titled Long Live the King. That's what should have been. Well, yeah, we're hashtagging that. Absolutely. (laughs) Hashtag Long Live the King. Hashtag Vincent D'Onofrio. Hashtag Long Live the King. Who would have thunk back in July 2019 when they showed us the slate of Disney Plus shows and all the logos? 
Who'd have thunk when we saw that Hawkeye logo that this would be the show we're getting? Right? I don't know, but I'm happy it's here. <laughs> Same here. Ryan, where can people find you when uh, you're not here or at the movie theater? <laughs> when I'm not at my own house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. And you can find me on Twitter at Ryan, no, sorry, Crusader Online. And on Instagram, if you just want to see me have some fun, uh, at uh, Ryan J. Whitehead. And where can people find you when you are here? I don't know how to answer Me that. neither. That's a, that's a trick question. How, they obviously just find me because I'm here. knock on your door, I guess. Don't knock on his door. But, how, but I think the question is, how can they find you when they can't find you? So how do they find you when they can't find you? Well, when they can't find me, they can usually not find me at on uh, Instagram at Andrew Fantasia and Twitter at Andrew Fantasia and on my YouTube channel, which is also called Andrew Fantasia. I'm not very original when it comes to naming things. I'm sorry. His name is a brand. My name is a brand. That's how it goes. I'm like Cher. Um, and then you can also find me anywhere there is Kingpin love. I'll be there. Yeah. I will be there smiling down on the Willie Fisk love. Uh, there needs to be more. I don't know why he's not a more popular character, but he's about to be if I have anything to say about it. And then uh, you can find us here on Rebel Scum Podcast talking more stuff, whether it's Infinity Rewatch, whether it's our Star Wars show, whatever it is, we're here. Uh, we will be, like we said, going to see No Way Home like right now. Yep. So you can look for that episode probably right after you hear this episode. They'll probably come out one or two days apart. I don't know. Something like that. We'll see. Don't rush me. Leave me yeah. here. I'm still yeah. gushing about this Grinchy thing that we just got. So let me stew in my Willy Fisk for a while. Sounds good. If, um, if the MCU, uh, I, I've decided, Ryan, if I could play any character in the MCU, I've decided who I want to play now. Kingpin? Well, no, because he's, <laughs> he's already being played. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but it has to do with that. Alistair Smythe. Exactly. Yes! Exactly. Right? Because I would just get to hang out with D'Onofrio all day. Uh, oh, uh, man. Hanging out with D'Onofrio was pretty cool. My father built the Spider Slayers. I wonder if they'd make him British still. I wonder mm. if I have to grow a mullet. Mm. Should I grow a mullet to play Smite? Totally. It has All to right. be super 90s. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's then a nice awesome. motorized uh, um, uh, wheelchair. And I'll make some big robots. And according to a trading card I have, I'll be naked most of the time. <laughs> I, I don't know why Smite is naked in that card, but yeah, it is. weird. And I'll have things coming out of my shoulders. What are those? Laser cannons, but I don't know what else to describe them as. They look so wrong. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they look like tentacles. All right. Well, that being said, thank you guys so much for joining us on Infinity Rewatch on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network. The D tier. It's all there. Anyways, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Less than an hour away. Well, hour-ish away. Thwip. We're going to thwip our way there right now. So we'll see you for that and for this. Until then, have a grinchy, marvelous day, Spider-Man.